Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and I've got a returning guest from back on episode 103, The Fall of Dead World, Gary Hill. Welcome back, Gary. Hi, Eamon. Thank you for having me back. Well, it's great. Now, of course, we should be, like we were last year, sitting in the garden at Niche Comics in Huntingdon, and we should yeah. have done a park run this morning, but uh, COVID, of course, has put pay to all of that for the time being. When when do you think that will happen again? Yeah, like I say, it's, it's really sad that um, it's took an effect on parkrun, but understandable. I think the plan is that they're not going to do a parkrun until they can open them all up, because if you open one, you're going to get people from all over the place going to that one. So I think it's going to be down to England athletics guidelines, that kind of thing at the moment. Okay. Well, of course, talking about COVID-19, you've been working at um, what's now called, I think, Royal Papworth Hospital throughout the pandemic. How has it been, Gary? Yeah, well, so I was there at the start of the pandemic and then I um, I was told by the bosses I needed to shield because of a, an underlying medical condition. So um, sadly, I couldn't be there with my colleagues through the um, the toughest part of it. But um, yeah, I was doing working from home, that kind of thing. But the guys at Royal Papworth, you can imagine being a heart-lung specialist centre, yeah. they really went through the uh, the mill of it and we had lots of the, um, the, the lung and heart support machines, the ECMO, patients on those i think there's up to 90 patients at one point on that so um yeah it's been a, a very trying time but you know glad to say things are getting back to normal now we've got transplant patients are coming back in um routine operations with as routine as you know lung removal that kind of thing can be um they are going on now and we're getting some semblance of normality again obviously it's that old cliche it's the new normal yes it is so you're back there now presumably gary Yes, yeah, I've been back now about six or seven weeks, and um, obviously it was a bit strange at first because when I was asked to sort of you know stay at home, it was a, a normal, if you like, functioning hospital, and then you come back and there's a, obviously a lot of changes. There's COVID precautions are obviously very much in place. The PPE is, you know yourself, it's um, very strict on what we do and the sort of patients we see when we see them. But um, yeah, like I say, as much as it can be, it's back to normal, which is really good to see. Excellent stuff. Well, on behalf of the book club and all book clubbers, hats off to you, Gary. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Let's turn to, you know, slightly uh, less serious stuff. What about recent 2018 news or any acquisitions of note recently? Any sort of like uh, special buys? Uh, well, I mean, at the, the start, my lockdown was a little bit different because at the start, we had a, a baby born yes. um, in the, fir- the first week of lockdown. So um, funds perhaps aren't as plentiful as they were. But um, a nice little pickup I had the other day was from Humble Bundle. The, um, there was nearly 40 titles, 2000 AD titles donation to charity and you know you can't beat it so i've got one or two that double up but apart from that yeah i've got some good reading ahead yeah that's fantastic i think like you because i think you know we're on facebook i think like you i did the 20 pounds so you get the full bundle plus you're donating to two decent charities um that's a lot of reading for 20 quid isn't it it really is i mean the price of two books you've got 40 so Yeah, that's not bad. Apart from that, acquisitions-wise, I did have uh, a commission from Damien Edmondson. Or I think oh, yes. On the podcast, yeah, love, yeah. yeah. Damien of Art 9-2, yeah. Yeah, he did a Robo Hunter, I believe. Um, yes, he did. That's right, yeah. He did an absolutely awesome commission for me. Um, 
because Katie went through the mill a bit with the um, the birth of Alora, so um, had him do uh, Katie as Diana, Wonder Woman, uh, holding the baby and protecting her with the sword and shield and. He just smashed it out the park. It was brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, lovely stuff. And congratulations to you and Katie on the arrival of Elora. How, how old oh, is she now? She's five months now. Five months, gone. yes. As you say, babies are expensive, aren't they? <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> So let's turn you to today's book. Last time we were in uh, the dead world and the, the world of the dark judges. Where are we this time, Gary? So uh, this time we're in the, um, the world of the boys and the superheroes. Obviously, it's quite well known at the moment. We've you know, got the series on Amazon Prime, um, series two actually at the moment, isn't it? Just so, dropped uh, yeah. as we're recording, yes. It, that's right, yes. Yeah. So I was thought we'd perhaps um, have a look, a look at that because Garth Ennis with his ties to 2000 AD and British comics. Um, it's no secret I'm a big fan of his. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd have a bit of a chat about that with you. So we've got in front of us The Boys Volume 1, The Name of the Game, as you say, by 2000 AD alumni Garth Ennis, uh, art by Derek Robertson, coloured by Tony Avina, lettered by Greg Thompson and Simon Boland, another 2000 AD name. And this collects the first six issues, which were originally in Wildstorm Comics 2006-2007. And then it's collected by Dynamite Entertainment, who took over the series. We'll come back to that takeover in a minute. But first of all, I mean, you've sort of mentioned it already, I guess. Why did you chose The Boys? Is it because it's so topical at the moment? Um, well... Yes, because I think when we originally chatted about it, there was it was talk of the series coming up. But I, I'd literally, again, it was one of those from my comic wilderness days. You know, I'd found the boys, and I, I seemed to come onto podcasts and talk about violent Garth Ennis books. I was chatting <laughs> with Tony Esmond during lockdown about um, his run on the Punisher, the Punisher Max, and you know, perhaps this is a case of you know you can take the boy out the 70s but not the 70s out the boy and the more violent and the more filthy it is it's <laughs> it hits the right buttons with me unfortunately so let's quickly give a shout out to tony esmond uh one of the awesome comics podcasts a great yeah. proponent of small press comics and as you say in lockdown he started his own never iron anything podcast and i did listen to you on that one talking about the punisher max series I confess I've been on his podcast as well. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tony Esmond, never iron anything. Great work during the lockdown. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I must apologise. On that one, I was a little bit sweary. But I'd um, had my first drink <laughs> <laughs> since Laura was born and it hit me straight away and, um, yeah, did get a bit carried away with it. But there you go. <laughs> so, uh, well, yes, that's all right. I mean... Uh, I'm uh, sober today. <laughs> <laughs> a lockdown drink, it goes straight to our heads, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for anybody who hasn't read the book or seen the TV series, um, who are the boys? What's this comic about? So basically what you've got, it's um, a world where superheroes are almost run-of-the-mill. They call them the soups. Um, they're very much the sort of superstars out there. And they show a very sort of clean-cut image, as you might expect, to the world. The public revere them as these natural-born heroes, even a gift from God. You know, is 
what they try to portray. But actually, the reality is that they were created by a company called Vought International. It's this sort of multi-billion dollar uh, pharmaceutical firm. Um, and they use a drug called Compound V, and that basically bestows the soups of these powers. And, um, you know, the young mothers were paid to undergo tests, and that created them. And the, the best-known group is a, a group called The Seven. So you've got these seven superheroes. Obviously, no comparison to the Justice League at all. None whatsoever. Um, <laughs> none whatsoever. And Vought's main aim at the start is to secure a place for them within the armed forces as um, a weapon, basically, so they can um, get them all the money that would come from that as well. But at the moment, they um, sort of hire them out, if you like, to cities, to states, to be a bit of a, you know, an enforcer and to be an image of that state. But the reality is the, the majority of them aren't that clean cut as the image that they portray. And there's definitely some um, sort of less salubrious activities go on behind the scenes that people don't see. So the boys um, are a CIA, originally a CIA-backed black ops team, and their job is basically to police and monitor and stop any of the soups that are getting a bit out of hand. Um, the current team, we've got founded by a chap called Billy Butcher. He's uh, an ex uh, special forces, British guy, you know, he's um, very much sort of forthright, speaks his mind, and uh, but he's got reasons, perhaps we won't go into right away, but he's got reasons to have a dislike of the supers. Um, so we've got Billy, um, he conscripts a guy called Wee Huey, who was, um, whose girlfriend was killed by A-Train, one, uh, one of the soups, one of the members of the Seven. And then there's a guy called Mother's Milk, the name becomes apparent later on in the series as well. He's sort of big guy, a bit like a heavyweight boxer, but he's really smart, methodical. The Frenchman, he's an ex-foreign legionnaire. He's got a real skill set for violence and being totally off the wall. And then there's the female, and um, she's one of my favourite characters, actually. Um, as a child, she was exposed to with discarded compound V waste, and so um, she is ultra-violent, She's not adverse to eviscerating her opponents or even, you know, ripping the faces off, which um, Derek Robinson you know, portrays really well. So that's your main cast, if you like. So one of the things that always fascinates me is how we uh, treat uh, or deal with superheroes in comics on this side of the pond. So let's start with Garth Ennis's writing. Um, yeah. And as I've put in our notes, is this another British writer getting in the sort of like the dark heart of the American superhero dream, do you think? Yeah, it definitely seems that way. I mean, from things I've read um, from interviews he's done in the past, it, some of it seems to come from the fact he was never really um, into superhero comics as a kid. He, he couldn't get hold of them. And um, so he didn't have this kind of um, love and respect from them from, a, from an early age or in awe of them. So and I think, you know, obviously I think we might, of the chat about Pat Mills, he's broached this subject himself before. Yes, uh, of course. Yes, <laughs> before Garth Ennis with martial law. Yeah, yeah. Very, I think there's definite parallels you can speak between the story, particularly uh, martial law's public spirit, that his Superman character and Homelander in the boys, and you can't ignore the sort of sex and violence that goes on in both too. But um, I think you know Garth Ennis had a bit of a run at it 
earlier with um, the pro in 2002. Oh, right. Yes, I remember the cover image of that. Yeah. Yes, it's 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 very very memorable. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, it's about uh, a prostitute who was given superpowers by an alien who could basically sit back and watch when what went on if she was given these powers and she joins the league um, the league of honor which again a bit of a direct representation of um, justice league and you can imagine the sort of um, filth and chaos that ensues from that yeah absolutely and we should mention there's a fair bit of filth and chaos in in the boys isn't there this is definitely adult comics isn't it yeah, you're not going to want to pass this on to little Johnny after you've read it, that's no. for sure. <laughs> uh, not unless you're ready to introduce them to sex and violence and... Uh, yeah, it's a very early age. <laughs> abuse of Compound V. Um, <laughs> so is it, again, you know, is it that we've always had this strange relationship with superheroes over here? As you said, you've mentioned Pat Mills and his, so like, his flat-out expressed hatred of superheroes. Mm. Um, last week I was on Tony Esmond's podcast talking about warrior magazine and and the start of marvel man miracle which again really sort of you know did the sort of modern take on a superhero but with a very sort of a lot of dark stuff in that and i suppose in 2000 ad we have talked about zenith on the podcast Mm -hmm. so all these you know british writers who take on the superhero myth um but seem to me that they get I don't know. It's just that we have this uneasy relationship with this idea of superheroics, don't we? And these supposedly, yeah. you know, um, holier-than-thou characters who are like modern gods, I guess. Yeah, I think we're, we're you know, being British, we're a bit more cynical about that kind yes. of thing. And, <laughs> you know, it's not all about the show with us, I'd rather, you know, sort of it be a bit more understated. And perhaps, you know, we're a bit more suspicious that there might be ulterior motives as well. And I think that's what seems to come across a little bit, like you say, in Pat Mills' writing and in uh, Garth Ennis in this case as well. Uh, For myself, um, you know, I didn't really have any contact with the US comics and superheroes as a kid. It was all very much the British, you know, the dandy, your B&O, your warlords, 2000 AD. Um, The only thing really was Spider-Man via the TV cartoon. And I think the thing with him, his powers seemed more attainable, yeah. you know, because it was just that that spider bite rather than these creatures like, you know, Superman, alien creatures born with this power or that, you know, they have it when they come to Earth at least. So, yeah, I think there is just this, like you say, an uneasy relationship with the whole superhero genre for British writers. And you've mentioned the Justice League of America who... Um, I don't know how many times the JLA have been parodied in comics over the years. I mean, even going back to Marvel's Squadron Supreme and things yeah. like that. But the seven seem like a fairly direct uh, yes. parallel with the JLA, don't they? Yeah, definitely. I think particularly when you you know you you look at the way the images are portrayed both in the comics and in the series, you can definitely see uh, your Aquaman, uh, Wonder Woman, Superman. is It's quite easy to draw those parallels between them. They're not hiding it, are they? No, not at all. No. <laughs> and I wondered. I mean, this was Wildstorm Comics originally, and the mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm not sort of like completely conversant with the American comics family trees, but that was. They were, uh, I think, were owned or taken over by DC at some point, yeah. and then of course the series gets cancelled after six episodes or six issues. And I wondered if, I mean, I read that the that the DC didn't really like the tone of the comic, and I thought maybe the fairly direct 
um, yeah, uh, you know, dig at the JLA or you know having a go at the JLA might have led them to drop this one. But fortunately, yeah. Dynamite picked it up, didn't they? Yes, yes, they did. They picked it up and carried it on, and they had the rights to put out the the first six, obviously as volume one. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, I can imagine that uh, DC wouldn't want their image, their superheroes, sullied by this particularly. <laughs> Yes, because as you've you've hinted at, the, despite the public image of the seven in the boys behind the scenes, um, they are a dark and corrupted bunch of individuals, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean that is only sort of hinted at, really, to the, the, the levels of the depravity that comes later in the series. But um, I think there is one particular image and moments when um, Homelander particularly reveals himself in more ways than one yes. to, the, <laughs> um, to the, the new innocent member, Annie, who's, who is literally, you know, she's a very God-fearing starlight. She's a very God-fearing young lady from uh, sort of Ohio, that kind of area. And um, she's quite shocked by the initiation that Homelander thinks she should perform. Absolutely, yes, yes, it is. As you say, if you ever wanted to see, um, I suppose Homelander's buttocks, maybe <laughs> Superman's <laughs> yes. buttocks in a comic. This is the book for you. And she's <laughs> she's brought in to the Seven to replace a character called Lamplighter, who I mm-hmm. guess is sort of the Green Lantern parallel. I get the impression. Yeah, yeah. And then she's, I mean, another TV series at the moment. The DC have got Star Girl. She's a bit. She's a bit like the Stargirl character being brought into the Justice League, isn't she? That's it, yeah. So she's she's very much an innocent and she truly believes that she has been, you know, given a gift by God and um she's there to do, you know, truth justice in the American way. But she soon learns that that isn't the case. Yes. <laughs> Homeland has got a different interpretation of the American way, yes. Yes, he certainly has. <laughs> Let's turn to Derek Robertson, who I confess I'm not really familiar with outside of the boys, although I notice he has worked for both the big two in America, including he's done Justice League comics, amazingly. Yes, um, yeah. Perhaps I think best known before for doing Transmopolitan. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Trans... What's he called? Transmetropolitan. Transmetropolitan, that's yes. it, yeah. Yeah, I think um, before, like you say, he'd done some Spider, he'd done some work for Marvel with Spider Man, he's done some Wolverine, some Deadpool, even. But I believe um, that he dropped doing Spider Man to draw Transmetropolitan because he was scared of becoming just another Spider Man artist. But, you know, for somebody who can't draw, I'd be quite happy to be just another Spider Man <laughs> artist. But, um, yeah, so Transmetropolitan, yes. um, it's, it's one that. I haven't got round to reading entirely, but you know, when I was doing a little bit of research, I um, grabbed the first issue, and you know, it's really impressive stuff. Um, the, the cover of issue one, you know, it has real um, similarities. I felt to uh, Jeff Darrow in Hard Boiled. He'd got you know all that sort of tiny detail. You look around the sort of detritus on the floor, that kind of thing. So that that is definitely something that's on the reading list now for sure. Okay. What about his work here in The Boys? I mean, it is, as we've hinted at, a very brutal depiction of the consequences of what superheroes do, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's excellent at drawing um, violence and the effects of violence, that's for sure. He doesn't hold back in any way, shape or form, and he's not scared of nudity either. No, absolutely. I can only imagine that, you know, it must have been a good time for him to have because, you know, he's given free reign to basically just put this out there 
And uh, he's very clever. It's a bit like the start of the Austin Powers movie, you know, when there's something always in front of Austin Powers, a, a plant pot or whatever. Yes. And um, in the right sort of place. And he is very good at drawing that. So you certainly know what's going on. But, um, yeah, there, there are some of, the, uh, some of the images that are a little bit kind of covered up, which is, yeah, it's quite clever in itself. Yes, it is. And as you say, it's, it's great stuff. I do like his character work, particularly on the, the boys themselves. Although the, uh, you know, the design of the seven costumes is also quite fun. And we get, yeah. we get some sketches at the back of the book, don't we, I think, which is yeah. always nice to get a bit of back matter, I find. Yeah, yeah, I always enjoy that when the the artist gives a bit of an insight. You know, I mean, if you you see that the um, the female, she totally changed in um, how she looks. She went from I think it was perhaps a, a young black woman to you know diminutive Japanese woman. Yes, um, you've got uh, who else? Got mother's milk. I think that was a last minute change. He had that pretty much set in place. And then Gareth, Rob, um, uh, Gareth Garth Ennis, sorry, um, gives him a call and says, you know, I want him with a beard and a Klaus, Kro- Klaus Krop afro. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And of course, two of the characters um, we know from the sketches, we know from the interviews, are based on uh, what we might call other pop culture references. So, we Huey. Yeah. Uh, very much based on Simon Pegg's character in Spaced. Yeah, yeah. And of course, they've sort of Simon Pegg has repaid the compliment by appearing in the TV series. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a nice touch that he comes back as um, Wee Huey's father, doesn't he? In the he series. does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that was a, that was a nice touch for sure. And um, the fact that you know he gave his permission when he didn't really know what it was going to be about too much, um, he gave his permission. But I think he was just pleased that Garth Ennis um, was going to put him into uh, a comic book because yes. he's oh no, I'm a fan of 2000 AD. He's um, Mr. Peg. He were, well exactly, and he writes the introduction to this volume. And as you say, if you if Garth Ennis said, "Can I put you in a comic?" We'd both say yes, wouldn't we? Yeah, certainly would. Yeah, that'd be a dream come true. <laughs> and then the other character is Butcher himself. And again, I know from you know you've probably seen the same Derek Robertson sketches that he had a little bit of trouble to start with, with the character. Um, and it, Garth Ennis has also acknowledged that the character was originally called Savage. And, uh, you know, there seems to be a little bit, another 2000 AD nod there. But yeah. when he changed him to Butcher and also told Derek Robertson that he had this dark humour, he's a character who's grinning a lot. And that sort of, I think, gave Derek Robertson the handle on the character, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think when they, um, you know, stuck the black leather jackets on them as well and, and just gave them the whole team feel, but not sticking sort of badges all over them, that kind of, that was, uh, yeah, it was a really good point. Yeah, exactly. So you've got the seven who've got their very colourful DC-like costumes, or you know, although, yeah. as we say, no, ref- no, no reference no. to the JLA at all. Of course not, of course not. <laughs> and then you've got the boys who just go around in ordinary street clothes with black leather jackets and uh, yeah. do what they do. That's the, that's the nearest thing, and I think there's a, a nice little scene when Huey gets you know presented with his leather jacket when he's because uh, he's normally just got his hoodie on, and then he's almost presented ceremonially with his leather jacket when he becomes one of the boys. And Garth Ennis, of course, you know, does a bit of dark. Well, he's very good at the dark humour, of course. We know from say Preacher and so on. Yes, um, yeah. 
Butcher's Dog, Terror, who I don't think <laughs> made it to the TV series that I no. can recall. No, I was, I was quite disappointed by that. But on, I was rewatched um, season one, and uh, I noticed in the first episode, there's some dog toys in the back of the car, and Huey ah, says to okay. him, "You know, have you got a dog?" And he's just like, "Used to." And that and that's it. It doesn't allude to anything else. Ah, so, okay. Yeah, right. it's not nice little nod to it because he is quite a character in himself, isn't he? Terra is, yes. <laughs> yeah, he has a particular skill with poodles. <laughs> <laughs> he has a particular skill set. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what sex the dog is. No, he will. He'll enjoy himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, um, I quite like a comedy dog in comics. Uh, yeah. You know, even going back to Dennis the Menace and Nasher. Yeah, he um, is his Nasher, isn't it? Yeah, he is yeah. a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so we've <laughs> we've got you away from talking about dark, violent comics for a yeah. moment, just to talk about comedy dogs. But Memories anyway, of the Beano. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, Gary. Usually, for a comic on this podcast, we do have. A TV show to talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we've both seen the first series, haven't we? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, so I started re-watching that a little bit with um, the idea of the second one coming up. Oh, it, right, preparation. Yeah, a little bit of preparation. Got a bit more interrupted than before, with obviously with the baby and everything, so it's been kind of grabbed moments. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think the good thing about um, the series is that, you know, you had Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson involved on a, an executive production level, and you can... Ah, right. Yeah, you can really see, I think, their influence... Um, you've only got to look at the outfits that they've, they've took those exactly from Derek Robertson's drawings, pretty much. Um, they perhaps don't do the leather jacket thing so much in this, but um, definitely um, the soups outfits for sure. And, um, you know, the, the look of the whole program and the, the, the touch points on it is definitely what was envisaged from the books. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we all know. This has got Carl Urban uh, as Billy Butcher. And, of course, he is he's one of us, isn't he, Carl Urban, really? Yeah, he's one of the boys after Dread, isn't he? He is, yes. We <laughs> claim him as our own. He's fan yeah. favourite. Yeah. Um, and getting, in, getting involved in an interesting Twitter spat with Duncan Jones this week about who's the best Dread. Yeah, um, yeah. Carl Urban is quite quite clear who is the best trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's face it, you know, he played him perfectly. And he did, ev- yes. Everybody would like to see him either in another film or in the yeah, the much vaunted Mega City One um series, should that ever happen. But who knows? He's a busy guy and um yeah. when Hollywood calls. Exactly, yes. But there he is. And as we speak, Series 2 has literally just dropped on Amazon. That's where you can find it. Uh, it's an Amazon series. Yes. I'll mention it's got Jack Quaid playing Wee Huey. Uh, Anthony Starr plays the Homelander. Elizabeth Shue is the director of Vought, I think it is, yes, isn't it? that's it, yeah. 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 So she plays um you know a really good role in it as the um she she's not in the in the book as such but um say in the series she does play a, a pivotal role to controlling the homelander. Yeah. She does. Yes, that's right. She has a certain again a certain um control over him. Yes, uh, yeah. Um and as we speak I know already that you know the second series has just arrived and they've already commissioned the third series so it's obviously a big success for Amazon they're sort of like they believe in it and they're backing it which is good to hear yeah. 
I, I confess, Gary, I hadn't read the comics and I saw the series first. Yeah. And then you said, you know, you you were going to pick this for uh, the book club. So I read the uh, the six issues. It's fairly, I mean, it's good because it's a fairly quick read. It's just six issues. Yeah. Um, but I was quite impressed how much the series has really basically stuck to that first book. Um, they haven't really, you know, messed about with it too much at all, have they? No, not at all. Like you said, they've they've, they've definitely kept the main kept the uh, main beats of the uh, the book all the way through, haven't they? Yeah. And um, you know, your, your characters are still there, which is good because sometimes you know you you watch these things if you've read and enjoyed something, and you just pick it apart. Oh, that wasn't in there. They should have done this. They should have done that. But I came away from watching season one. You know, as a fan of the comic book, I was quite happy with that. Really was and. Series two, I've seen about the first one and a half and um, shaping up well. Seems to be moving away a little bit more, but um, obviously, yeah, there's restrictions with TV and, uh, yeah, it's, it's looking good. I mean, I, you know, it's fantastic. I really thought the casting of the boys and of the seven um, was spot on throughout from the comic book, you know. Uh, they do yeah. look, in a way, quite like the comic book characters just brought to screen, don't they? Definitely. And I think you've got to make a bit of a shout out about the, the, the various accents as well, because I think we've got, you know, um, Carl Urban. He's, he's had a bit of um, bit of grief about his uh, Cockney accent. Yeah. He, <laughs> you know, he, sw- he swears well. He does. <laughs> and Anthony Starr, I believe, is a New Zealander. And I, I couldn't have told you that he was a New Zealander hearing him do Homelander. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's a really good character. I've not really seen any of his work before, and um, he plays Homelander really well. You know, sort of switching from um, the face he gives the uh, the TV cameras and the public to um, the behind the scenes, the controlling, slightly mad <laughs> superhero that's behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Um, because, you know, going back to our original theme, it does very much reveal the dark secrets at the heart of American superheroics. Um, and I just think, you know, I keep coming back to this several times, but this sort of, this British approach to superheroes where we don't really quite trust them, uh, you know, we, we can't quite get our heads around them. And when our British writers tackle them, they always they always take a dark and sinister turn, it seems. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's what you get here in spades, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So let's get back to the comics, uh, Gary, then. I know yeah. there is, I think there's at least 12 trades now because it becomes quite a long-running comic. And I think, yeah. has it come back recently? Yeah, we've um, ended up with um, Dear Becky, which obviously... I won't spoil any of the endings, but you know it did come to an end. And um, this is Huey has got his hands on a journal of Billy Butcher's, and it's giving a little bit of um, background on why Billy did what he did, his relationship with his wife, and as a result, we're seeing the old team back together again in flashback, if you like. And uh, I've, I think we're about four issues in. I've been getting them monthly, and the first one's a little bit slow, but then again, it's just it's hitting its curve now, and it, it's it's running. We've got the usual sort of um, mix of violence going on and sex and violence all over again. All right, and how far on have you read? Because as I say, I've only read this first one. So in the um, in the actual initial run, I've read them all. Thanks all right. to 
another humble bundle ah, okay. <laughs> offer. Yeah, so um, managed to read them all in the end. And you know, as you might expect from a series this long, there is highs and lows. It can be a bit of a roller coaster. But, you know, that there's, there's some ones that are, are just really stand out. I mean, for me, sort of volume one, the way it sets everything up, and introduces all the main players. I just think it's it's a perfect setup to a series. You know, straight away you've got an empathy with the characters. You want to know more about you know the background of um, Homelander and the soups. You want to know more about Billy and the guys. And we do get a bit of that um, as we move on. There's um, we've got for them the soup side from the depravity. There's uh, a story called Hero Gasm, and. That's that. That is just absolute filth, really. Right. It, show, it shows the depravity of um, the soups what they get up to. They basically once a year get given an island where they can be as depraved as they wish. No paps are there. There's no photography allowed. Nothing, and they let rip basically. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> that one was initially drawn, but I think it was John McRae. Oh um, yes, of course. Derek Robertson, and um, I watched, uh, there's a little sort of webinar with him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there's the option to throw some questions in, and I sort of asked him, did he enjoy writing, drawing for uh, Hero Gasm, and he said, actually, that at first, he, he was a bit tame, and he got sort of told off for, you know, not being as free and easy as he could be, and then he just let loose. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's clear to say, and he said he actually had a lot of fun doing it. So um, that was a nice little b- bit of background to that one. Um, that's about sort of middle of the storyline, I think. But then we totally move gear again. Um, it's a bit Garth Ennis going into, you know, obviously his love of war and soldiers. Um, there's a storyline called Butcher Baker, Candlestick Maker. And that gives us um, Billy Butcher's backstory. And then all of a sudden, you realise, you know, what has created him, you know, it's from his life as a child through to, you know, uh, the traumas he's um, had in the Falklands when he was in the war there. And again, as Garth Ennis, Garth Ennis, Ennis is his best, really, just giving us um, that sort of war story that we know and love from him as well. And we, we sort of leave some of the depravity behind a little bit. And it's quite a touching little moment in the story. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was one of those that, you know, you're sort of sad when you finish because you're leaving friends behind, it feels like. Oh, okay. And Garth Ennis, I mean, obviously you did The Punisher Max with Tony Esmond, so you're obviously yeah. a fan of him and his his dark, gritty, violent <laughs> comics, as you say. What about uh, Preacher? Are you a fan of Preacher as well? Yeah, I've um, read the first um, two or three of the um, right. collective volumes. That's another one I've, I've got to finish for sure. The um, the series, I know it got a lot of plaudits, but for me, it just it didn't hit the right note. Um, I think it was so different from what I was expecting, having read the comic books. I was really looking forward to it, and it sort of changed it up. And yeah, it, it didn't do it for me, but. You know, I mean, it, it did well for the audiences, that's for sure, because it got a few series, didn't it? I think, did that get three series or maybe more? I don't know. I can't remember. Three or four. Three yeah. or four, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it really really sort of hit the right moment to most people. But um, no, it wasn't for me. But enjoy the comics, for sure. It's another, I have to say, it's another sort of black hole in my comic reading and... Uh, 
um, TV watching The Preacher. So, you know, if anybody wants to pick that and uh, make me make me read it finally and come on the show and do it. Um, it does seem, yeah. you know, that maybe for Garth Ennis <laughs> that he's finally got the TV adaptation that he needs with The Boys, isn't he? Yeah, it seems that way for sure, you know. And obviously it's been a big hit, like you say. It, it's been picked up for a, a third series and I've heard rumour that there's already the fourth. is pretty much um, dead set. So uh, let's face it, they've got enough material to, to get a lot of series 12 out, trades sure. at least you know if not more is that right mm. yeah yes yeah it is now that's for sure okay so let's go back to artwork it's time for the grail page game gary um okay i've got no idea how much Derek robertson artwork goes for or if this was uh, if this stuff exists <laughs> but uh if i gave you this volume to pick from covers or internal pages what, uh, yep. what I won't say necessarily to hang on your wall because there's probably one. Of, <laughs> <laughs> not with a baby, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a few you want to keep in the drawer. Um, but yeah, what yeah. pages would you pick? Well, I'd be a little greedy and go for two okay. out of this volume, to be honest. So a bit like yourself, I am a fan of a good cover. Um, and I think just that initial cover of issue one, with that kind of Tarantino-esque trunk shot where you've got the, you know, the, the entire crew of the boys looking down, perhaps it's on a body of a superhero who's looking up that they've taken down. That is just a really iconic image, you know. And like I say, you see it's throughout Tarantino's films. It's a well-known trait of his. But I just, I just love that image. It sets it up straight away. It will be the cover artwork on this uh, particular episode. So, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, you okay. I don't um, think we'd be able to afford that one for you, Gary, but yes, it becomes <laughs> virtually yours. Yeah, that might be a little bit expensive. Yeah. Um, and I think as a second one, um, page 120, which is the last page of issue five, and it's really the first time that we're seeing the boys heading into action against the, the soups group, the, the teenage kicks. Oh, right. Um, you know, you've got the kind of, they've all got the leather jackets on. You've got Huey looking a little bit nervous, a bit unsure. And um, in the background, we've got the flat iron building where they're based. And so, yeah, and Billy's letting know, be known exactly what's going to happen. Yes. He's got a delicious grin on his face, hasn't he? Yes. Exactly. I've got yeah, that so. page in front of me as well. So, yeah, I can, we will give you that one and put them up on the socials. And actually, you've chosen two pages that I probably can post on all the socials without worrying too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's suitable, uh, isn't it? They are suitable, yes. We can, pub- they are, they, we can publish those pages. Um, what's to come in the next issue is perhaps less so, but yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You wouldn't want to put that any of those up on the wall. Well, yeah, there's plenty of blood and violence to come, but those are two great pages. I quite like myself. I'm going to pick one myself, Gary, which is yeah. the last page of issue one, which is Butcher okay. and Huey sitting in the park on the bench with Terror the dog uh, yeah. on the ground in front of him. It's just that image. Again, it's plenty. It's a safe-for-work image. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but it's just Butcher and Huey sitting on a park <laughs> bench. There's pigeons. There's Terror the dog. They're not doing yeah. anything. I just think it's a nice image. Um, it is. But yes, and again, probably one that I could uh, just about hang on the wall for as well. Sure. I just love that sort of confidence of Billy. He sat there, man spreading, terrors there with him, and uh, yeah, and Huey with his head in his hands. Yeah, poor old <laughs> it's Huey. It's almost like a, a precursor of what's to come, isn't it? Really? Yes, yeah, what's he getting himself into? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, perfect. That's a good one. 
Fantastic stuff, Gary. So I've sort of raced you through that. Anything else you wanted to add about the boys, either the comic or the TV series? Well, I mean, I'd definitely say to anybody who's not faint-hearted, give either of them a, a go. I think you're going to, you know, you in, enjoy it. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. It's that sort of, it's like a film that you uh, leave your brain at the uh, lobby, you know, just sit back and enjoy it. Fantastic. So I would say uh, The Boys Volume 1 is widely available. It's gonna, this is an easy one to get hold of, about £12 or so for a hard copy. Um, as we speak, Gary, I think it's still, there's a half-off sale on Comixology digitally, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's really cheap on Comixology at the minute. And literally a little while ago, I think a couple of days ago, I think there's a new humble bundle. Um, okay, I should be on shares with you. You should be, yeah. <laughs> there's a new one of them, and you can get the entire collection on there with a minimum donation of £12. So if money's short after lockdown. Blimey. And if you want some uh, plenty of comics for your money... Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, you're getting a good deal there. And I think Prime, as well, if you have um, Kindle with Prime, you can get some of the issues. I'm not sure it's the entire run, but at least something to get you started as well. Yeah, I, did, I hadn't really realised, but I've got Amazon Prime and I've got this on the Kindle and it's actually, I didn't buy it, it came in the lending library version. So at some point I could return it and maybe get something else. But yeah, exactly. so yeah, yeah. There's, there's lots of ways to get... Um, the uh a copy of the boys certainly digitally but you're going to get high hard copies as well and as you say yeah, yeah look for that humble bundle at the moment yeah for sure they're good, the good thing great is stuff. with the the humble bundle you get the original artwork on the covers but i believe the newer ones are tying into the series a little bit and having uh, right. the stars of the uh, series on the front just to tie in but you know apart from that it's all good great stuff uh and there are there's big omnibus collections you can buy as well if you want to get the hard copies, oh, aren't there? Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, it's I think been they've bundled them up into two or three trades or maybe four trades to a to a, yeah. an omnibus. Great stuff. So that's Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson's The Boys. Uh, we, you know, after the creepy Dead World, Dark Judges, <laughs> and Punisher Max, we wait to see what sort of dark, grim, and violent comic you'll choose next time, Gary. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to look for something entirely different, something a bit lighter, I think. Yeah, it's time for Rupert the Bear next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could well be, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Dennis the Menace and Nasher to get back to comedy dogs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's turn to guest projects, Gary. Um, uh-huh. Sadly, I mean, we did get an Eastern Contingent meeting this year, didn't we? It was yes. Yeah, when we, was we it? just crept that in, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, was it February time? Yeah, I think it was um, beginning of Feb. It was it was around Valentine's Day. It was. And I remember yeah. on, on the day that we met up in that pub in Cambridge and the biggest concern we had then was a storm coming that was interfering with the trains. Yeah, yeah that was it, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right. That was our biggest worry at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, little did we know what was ahead. Oh, dear, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I guess at some point we will all meet again, uh, the Eastern Contingent. Yes. Have you got plans? Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, we need to be in a position where people all feel safe and um, happy to come out and share time together like that. But, yeah, I was putting the feelers out the other day, just trying to test the waters, and there's a few people that are up for it. So, yeah, perhaps as we move ahead a little bit and people feel a bit safer, perhaps before the end of the year, see if we can get one of those in. 
So if you're a 2000 AD or British comics, or in fact any sort of comics fan at all, uh, and you live anywhere near the east of England, I guess come along to the Facebook page first of all? Yes, yeah, so there's the um, Eastern Contingent Facebook page, and you know, I'll post up anything that's going on on there for sure. And I'll try and share it on any of the, you know, like the 1977 group, that kind of thing as well. And we will, as we say, at some point, we will get back to that pub in Cambridge and meet up again and talk comics. And maybe uh, Steve Austin, 2000 ED artist, will be there doing sketches again for us, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. be great. I do miss it. I miss that and the cons. I've just literally, you know, I've been getting into the con scene as well and it's all gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. I don't well, we haven't had a convention this year, have we? Or at least I haven't. No. No, no that virtual ones, but it's just not the same, is it? No, no, not at all. Uh Thought Bubble last November, I guess, was the last thing I went to. Uh, yeah. goodness knows when we'll go to another one but yeah as you say gary we do miss them don't we yeah for sure and the for get sure. together in the bar and just chatting about comics and books and tv it's just great fun yeah. isn't it yeah with like-minded people you can't beat it exactly exactly yeah we look forward to it happening again so if you're interested in the eastern uh, contingent at all look out for gary's group on facebook and you'll find details when we finally do start meeting again uh, you mentioned the 77. You're, I think, are you one of the admins on the 77 Facebook page? So I'm a moderator, moderator on the 1977 to 2000 AD Facebook group. But literally in the last couple of weeks, the 77 anthology has got its own dedicated... Um, oh, group. they've split off into another little page, haven't they? Or group, That's yeah. because we... We don't want to try. Don't want to water down the 2000 AD chat on the original group, so we can keep it a little bit separate. Um, but as you know, you know the 77 has been an amazing hit. Yes, and uh, it's going great guns at the minute. And uh, I'm actually sort of really lucky. I'm going to be a little bit more directly involved with the 77 in the near future. Oh, um, right. Is, as a um, contributor. Oh, is that something you can tell us about or hint at? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I can a little bit. So, um, obviously, one of the um, bonuses of uh, being in lockdown with a newborn is I had lots of time on my hands in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Walking those floorboards. That's We've all so, been yeah. there. <laughs> Middle of the night and sort of ideas come into your head, that kind of thing. And then uh, while the wife was feeding, I was trying to be a good husband and at least be awake and you know, putting a few ideas down on the pad and came up with something. It's, it's going to have um, it's a bit of a homage in some ways to Mac 1. But it's definitely got a modern spin on it. It's going to have an, you know, a bit of violence. They're strange. It's strange for me, I know. But, uh, <laughs> I, get, I, yeah, I was quite excited by it. And I uh, ran it past Bensky, um, the editor, and um, he greenlit it. And, uh, you know, sort of, so I was able to get stuck into doing a script. And recently, an amazing artist called um, Luke Oram has been attached to the story and um, yeah, I've been seeing some of his artwork and we've been chatting about ideas and it's really exciting, yeah, very exciting to see it all starting to come together. Fantastic. So that's the 77 comic which has had, I think it's had two issues out now, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, it's, um, I think the, um, the Kickstarter for the third finishes today. Oh, right, okay. 
the, but it's been so successful. I mean, you might have seen the Kickstarters have just you know, blasted out in hours. You know, they've reached their target and exceeded very often. And um, they've gone to they're going to bi-monthly instead of quarterly. Right. Any so, ideas when yours might be scheduled for? At the minute, penciled in for issue five. All right, so, cool. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, there's lots of different factors um, come to play. But uh, yeah, so we're looking at issue five at the moment. And uh, so the, the artist is putting together his um, ideas now. And uh, it's been a really exciting process for somebody who, you know, as a kid has grown up loving comics and then coming back to them in adulthood to actually, you know, the thought of getting something in print. It's just a dream come true. It's amazing. Fantastic. We look forward to it, Gary. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be sometime in 2021, I guess. I would imagine so, yeah. 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 And you mentioned the 1977 to 2000 AD Facebook group, uh, one of the longest running 2000 AD groups on Facebook, certainly one of the most yeah, friendly definitely. and welcoming and uh, sort of inclusive to everybody group there is, I think, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something we always try and uh, promote as well, isn't it? You know, the friendliness amongst the group. And everybody's really positive on there. And, uh, yeah, there's moans and groans. We all have moans and groans about the prog. But in, on the whole, you know, it's all nicely balanced and uh, everybody gets a voice. So, yeah, it's a good one. So do check out that uh, Facebook group if you want to, uh, to meet some like-minded fans and chat about great comics. Uh, look out for the Eastern Contingents next meeting. We will meet again one sunny day, Gary. <laughs> I keep yes. saying this to everybody, but we will. Um, yeah. And also check out The Boys Volume 1, which from, as we've said, you can get hold of very cheaply at the moment or even for next to nothing if you're on Prime. So, uh, yeah. you know, definitely worth checking it out. Um, and I look forward to talking about more Garth Ennis comics in the future. <laughs> and also, you've got to go back on the Tony Esmond podcast. You've got to choose another um, grim and gritty... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So like, I've been, <laughs> I've been reading a little bit of um, Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, um, right. Well, he loves that. Uh, yeah, Tony oh does. Yeah, yeah. That that that's blown me away. That is so. Uh, that that's another new. I can't believe it was done in 1970. That's a, those are astonishing comics. This, uh, I remember buying them when they were putting them out with the sort of Frank Miller uh, covers yes, as collections yeah. back in I don't know, I guess late 80s, early 90s, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's great stuff, Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, cheers, Gary. It's been great having you on. I'm sorry we haven't been able to do a park run, but hopefully we will yeah. get back to. Uh, I'll be able to come down to Huntingdon next year, yeah. and we'll run and comic in niche comics in Huntingdon. Definitely, uh, they're open. By the way, we'll put a little bit of a shout out for niche. They are open for business, and uh, yeah, very much happy to have customers in. So that's a good place to drop into. So that's niche comics and books on the. Is it the end of the high street? Is it called end of the high street in Huntingdon? Yes, yeah. lovely little Tudor building. Yeah, and I did. You know, they were one of the um, independent comic shops that I spent some of my lockdown money on online. Yeah, you know, trying yeah, to. Yeah, did the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've got to try and help these small independent places to you know to keep going if you want them to be there when everything gets back sure. to normal. So yeah, shout out to Niche Comics and Books in Huntingdon. We will be back there one day. <laughs> yeah for sure for sure 
And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find out more at megacitybookclub.com, where you'll also find links to all of Gary's other uh, projects uh, and Facebook groups. You can follow this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the 2080 forums on Spotify, and get in touch by emailing me at mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. And that will do us, Gary. Uh, until next time on Mega City Book Club, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and it's not a bit from me 